0: In this episode of Full Stack Radio, I talked to Blake Newman about Vue.js State Management with Vuex. This is Full Stack Radio, episode 88. Before we get into the interview with Blake today, I just wanted to share that as of Wednesday, May 9th, 2018 which is today as I record this, my Advanced View Component Design course is finally available. So the full course totals 4 hours of content, spread over 34 screencasts, and it covers every advanced component design pattern I've ever used, including everything from wrapping external libraries to renderless data provider components to building context-aware compound components that communicate using View's provide and inject features. I'm super proud of how the whole thing turned out, and right now, the course is available for 40% off of the regular price. So if you've been looking to level up your view skills, head over to advancedvue.com, check out the course, and let me know what you think. Now, enjoy this conversation with Blake Newman about state management with Vuex. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Full Stack Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Wathen, as always, and today, it's my pleasure to be speaking with Blake Newman. How's it going, Blake?
1: Very good, thank you.
0: So for anyone who's um, not familiar with you, do you mind just briefly introducing yourself and talking a little bit about what you do?
1: Uh, so I'm a front engineer. A currently work for a UK-based startup uh, called Attest. Uh, we build survey, a survey platform where marketers come in and create surveys and get instant feedback from consumers to track their brand, for example. Uh, I'm also on the JS core team. Uh, I need to get more into it. Uh, sometimes it's hard to do work life and Vue.js at the same time, Uh, but going to start getting more into Vue.x and updating that and helping the TypeScript community. Awesome.
0: Yeah. So the reason that I wanted to have you on the show is that you were recommended as a good person to uh, talk to about Vue.x, because that's a topic that uh, we haven't covered on the podcast before that I think would be interesting to, to sort of dive into. So I guess, um, maybe the best place to start would be just kind of getting an introduction to what Vuex even is and what sort of problems it solves and how it all kind of works. I know it's a big topic, but maybe just start with whatever piece of that you think makes the most sense to you.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, so in general, uh, a lot of people forget or don't even know that uh, Vuex isn't just a library that goes on top of uh, Vue. It's actually a pattern in itself on how you manage your state, update the state, and talk directly to your components. Uh, it's simply based upon Elm State Management and Flux. Mm-hmm. Uh, the key thing is that I find by using the Furex uh, and its methodologies, you can improve your application's architecture, uh, make your code more readable, testable, and structured. Uh, and it comes with most features that you'd get from other Flux or Elm-based state management systems.
0: Yeah, so I guess what is like the Flux state management pattern in general like how does that actually work how does data flow and where do things go and and how do things communicate with each other
1: yeah so flux is uh essentially cons of multiple parts so you ha- normally have actions that you be asynchronous calls to your api for example uh and then you'd mutate your state from that and then your view will look at that state and then the view would call an action and so forth and it will just go in a cycle of updating this siloed part of your application where all of your logic sits away from your fuse to ensure that you have not got too much logic dependent in your view and you can reuse your fuse and it even makes it easier to revisit those views and do redesigns etc
0: yeah so um the way that i understand it is like the, the the core principle behind it all is sort of trying to centralize all your state into kind of one place, right? So what, are, what, are, what is kind of the motivation for that? And what are the, the benefits of trying to centralize all your state into a single place? Uh, so for me,
1: uh, it's to dumb down your components essentially. Uh, so when you move your state away from your components, that component becomes reusable in itself in a way. And it also means that you if you say have a redesign of how your look and feel of your component needs to be, you don't have to go and rework all of the logic around it because your logic sits away and it's more reusable and it's it's just brought in and you're using logic that doesn't sit in your components. So that means uh, it reduces the overhead of redesigning components, of course. It also makes it more testable because you're just writing pure functions that mutate state and you yeah. can hook into that really easily. Uh, and the flow separate so. When you're writing your application logic, you can treat it as pure application logic, not the UI logic. You're just separating those concerns really well. Uh, and it actually makes it simple to add features because you just look into... If you need to add a feature of how the application flow works, you just look at that area. If you need to add your UX changes, then you look in your components. And it brings out those separations.
0: Yeah. So maybe a good way to, to kind of explain some of this stuff would be to talk about it in... Uh, sort of pretty concrete details in terms of what it actually looks like to pull in Vuex as a library and sort of wire it up and what sort of things it exposes and how you would interact with it from um, the components that maybe you're used to writing if you have never used Vuex before. So how do you sort of get started with it?
1: Uh, So essentially, Vuex is uh, formed of a tree of state, actions, and mutations, uh, and sometimes getters if you want to use getters. Uh so essentially to plug it in you just download the library, it's quite small. Uh you create a store, which should be something like Vuex.store, or nude fewx.store, uh and then you just pass it some configuration such as passing your actions, your mutations, and your state. Uh so it's really simple to set up and it's really easy to plug into Vue.js just using Vue.js's plugin system. Uh and then from there on you then will have to look at how your application flow might look like, for example, if you have a counter, which is quite a simple application, you'd have a count state on your component at, uh, in that time. It's the local state of that component. And then you'd say click an increment button and it would go up in incrementations and you're directly mutating that state. The point is that means now that state sits in that component. So what you do essentially is you'd create maybe a state area in your store which would be account variable. Uh and then you'd have an action that can take that and maybe you'd do an API call in that, which can be asynchronous. Uh and then when you go and call that, you'd then do a mutation, and that mutation will mutate the state, and your store and view, your component, will be talking to each other. So it just automatically reads that state, and if there's a change in the store, your application UI will automatically update without you having to do anything. Uh so we can go over the core concepts of what state is getters, yeah. mutations, actions, et cetera. That yeah, might I think that's a, a great a, idea. Opening. Yeah.
0: So what's the best one to start with? Probably state?
1: Yeah, state, definitely. So as I said before, Fuex is a single state tree. So that means that you basically have an object and it contains objects in it and then you have your single su- source of truth. Uh, you would normally only have one store per application unless you've got multiple applications that build up your website, for example, but normally mm-hmm. you just have one store to go and talk to. Uh, and then the single state tree as well, it's that it doesn't conflict with your modularity so you can split up your state into sub-modules and we we'll look at that a bit later. Uh, but the main thing with your state is it's basically just an object with properties to it such as numbers, strings, sub-objects uh, and then that's what state is, it's quite a uh, simple uh, concepts you have your state it's global to your application so that's anything within your application that you see that could be persistent so if you go from one page to the next and you go back to the page you may want that ux or ui to persist in its previous form
0: yeah so i think like the question the sort of questions that i have about state in vuex anyways that i think are maybe common to people who haven't used it a ton is that at first it sort of seems um it sort of seems like intimidating and in that it could get really messy just trying to store like your entire application state in, uh, you know, a single object, you know what I mean? It feels like hard to organize or, or something like those, those are sort of reservations that I feel anyways, when I think about like trying to store everything together like that, do you have any ideas or, or anything that can help people sort of get past that sort of like gut reaction and help people understand how you structure this sort of thing so that it doesn't, you know, feel as potentially messy or something? Uh, Yeah, so
1: there is a thing called modules, Uh, which modules, you can contain your state into... It's like creating your one single state tree and baking them into multiple state trees. So it's like a store in itself, but it's a module that contains actions, mutations, and state, and even getters that is a reusable entity. So, Such as, if you have products on your page, you might have a products module uh, which you can attach all of your state to do with that portion of it and it's self-contained. And That means you could even create dynamic modules that self-register themselves uh, so you only have that state there upon when you're actually using that state and you add the module when you need it. Uh, another way to look at modules as well is that You're breaking apart your application flow, Uh, so say it's in the domain, so say one day you have your products and the next day you don't need that feature anymore, you can then maybe either move that module and a whole entity without having to worry about how things sit and relate to each other. You're not going to have to go and edit this huge one single file, Mm -hmm. it's just this one portion of code. Same for like a component, just think of components, you separate them down into components, so they're more reusable, they're extendable, and you can just ditch them at any point you like.
0: So another question that, I, that comes to mind for me anyways is um, how do you normally populate like the initial state of a VueX store?
1: Uh, that's actually a key thing you should always do within Vue itself is you should always pre-populate your data with uh, values that exist. So don't use undefined values. Always make sure it sits on that object. Yeah. To say, because otherwise Vue doesn't track those reactivity. Uh, but there's if you're doing SSR, for example, then you'd have to read the SSR dot and it gets quite complicated. Mm. Uh, but that's what Vuex is great at doing is it makes it easy to go and do SSR because your state gets shoved down onto the client and then you can inject that state from the server from what it built up on that page and then you, there's your pre-populated data. Mm. Uh, or, for example, you can use View Router, if you've just got a single page application, to call APIs, update the store before even uh, get into the UI itself. So the UI or store would be pre-populated before the page loads, yeah. uh, rather than having to have loads of spinners, for example, all over the page. It would just be wait for everything to load, and then you have one spinner, and then move on to the page.
0: So I guess maybe, um, maybe a better question to ask even before that one that I think maybe makes that one a little easier to talk about in more depth is, I guess, like what sort of state goes in your store? So, I mean, this kind of touches on another topic, I think, as well, which is, you know, trying to decide what state goes in Vuex versus what still belongs as local component state, or if, you know, all states should go in Vuex, if that's the right approach. But uh, maybe it'd be useful to, to come up with like an example of, uh, of an application or something where we can talk a little bit about the sorts of things that you might uh, be storing in VueX and, and how it might be organized. Do you have an example that you use when you, you teach people about VueX by any chance? Uh,
1: yeah, the, there's actually quite a simple philosophy that I go by uh, is that when I generally look at what needs to go, what state or logic needs to sit in a store, uh, I go by, is it either reusable are you likely to share this across components? Uh-huh. If you're going to that stage, then it makes sense to abstract that away. Or if your state needs to persist, i.e. if you're navigating between a page, you want to preserve that state on the UI upon returning, or clicking on a button, and you want it to, the state to persist while something in the background's happen. Uh It doesn't meet this 90% of the time, because sometimes, for example, modal window, uh, a lot of people would put in the store, oh, the modal window's open. But then again, does that need to persist? Because if you navigated to another page and then came back to the page, would you expect that modal window to be open? So anything Mm. that's secondary uh, actions of hitting a UI, then I think it's best not to put that in the store uh, because you want your page to display as if they've gone back or refreshed the page.
0: Yeah, I think maybe, to me anyways, and maybe you can uh, share your opinion on this, but I kind of feel like there's a little bit of a difference between, like, application state and, like, interface state. You know what I mean? Like, things that are just keeping track of whether things are open or if something is collapsed or, you know, like, different things like that. Uh, can you think of any other examples or, I, uh, you know, ways to sort of try and segment those two different types of state into those two buckets?
1: Uh. Yeah, for example, most applications have a login interface. Uh, once you log in, you want to be able to reuse that state of the user's email address, etc. Uh, consistently. Obviously, don't store the password into the store. Sure. <laughs> because that's bad practice everywhere. Uh, but you can then reuse that state everywhere in your application, whether it's a heading bar or it's a profile page. And that way, you don't need to go refetch the data or you can maybe Show the data and refetch at the same time, and an update while you're showing that page. Uh, but generally, you once you go to the page, you've already pre-populated that state. You know what the, it's always in the store, so that means you can go to the store, back from or to a page, back from the page to the page again, and there's no API requests that are blocking to go to that page.
0: So, with something like that, like I think that's an interesting example. Actually, talking about like the currently authenticated user, where do you put? That information in a store? Like, it feels weird to me that you might just have like a top key that's like current user or something in your state. Is that how you would do it? Or would you make like a module? Would the module be like authentication? Or maybe do you have like a module just for things that are current to everything? Like, sometimes I find it tricky to figure out like what direction you should be cutting these concerns in sometimes when you're trying to organize all this stuff. Uh so yeah,
1: definitely create a module for user, so that would be containing anything to do with authentication, their profile details uh, and that would be containing all of the logic, for example, like actions and mutations that will interact with the user information, so such as update the profile uh, details that all of that stays in that concern, such as authentication as well uh, and that way. If you need to go and change anything to do with your authentication practices, uh, or you change your third party integration library to do your authentication, then you've got that one place of concern to go look at. You don't need to go and look at the login page of how that works, because it's just using that uh, stores module to uh, build up the UI. Mm. Uh, So you've just got that central place to go, okay, we need to go change our third party supplier for our authentication that might require changing how we send up authentication. And it's that small little area that you can go very quickly uh, and understand what's happening.
0: Yeah. So um, another question I have related to state, I guess, is how how state sort of compares or interacts with like what you might normally traditionally think of as like session data, for example, you know what I mean? So say you're building like a an e-commerce site or something and people can add things to their cart would like yeah. the current contents of the cart be something that you store just in Vuex, or would you be storing that in a session on the server as well and trying to synchronize those somehow? Or uh, what does that sort of thing usually look like?
1: Uh, so a good way to start looking at it as well is that you'd have a module for products. So that's all of your products information. Uh, so
0: and would that be like all the products or like just the products that have been shown on pages that the person has visited? Because, you know, like it seems like not realistic for you to try and duplicate all of the contents of maybe your entire product database into memory on the client, right?
1: Yeah. So that would just be every time you've gone and fetched a product. So they going into a product page or a product listing page. Uh, that's the point where you'd store that product information in the store. Uh, and then for the basket, for example, uh, instead of storing the products again, all of that information, you just have the ID mm-hmm. or an array of IDs that can come currently there. That means if you go to uh, the basket page, for example, uh, you would then go look at those IDs that currently sit in your basket and prefetch uh, or re- receive all of those products uh data that you need to display, uh, which means you're keeping, you're only fetching what you need and you're only using the state to build up your UI, you're not using it to clone your database because uh, your database could be hundreds yeah. of gigabytes of data, <laughs> of course you don't want to store that on a client.
0: Just wanted to take a quick break to thank one of this week's sponsors, and that's CodeChip. So CodeChip is a hosted, continuous integration platform in the cloud that helps you increase your development, productivity, and ship to production more frequently. CodeChip lets you standardize your tooling and processes across your teams, speeds up your build times, and integrates into your existing ecosystem of tools. Cochip is a great fit for your team, whether you're just trying to speed up the build times for large apps, or if you want to set up complex delivery pipelines for your microservices using tools like Docker, Kubernetes, and others. Forrester recently released their latest Continuous Integration Tools report, which provides valuable guidance into the rapidly growing continuous integration and continuous delivery market, and CodeChip actually scored as a top five continuous integration vendor in this report. If you're interested in reading this report and learning more about what makes for a great continuous integration and continuous delivery service, uh, you can check out the show notes for this episode, and I'll have a link there for you. So if you want to spend less time managing your tools and speed up your software development, give CodeShip a try and sign up for free today at CodeChip.com. I've been a user of CodeShip uh, for many years for all the open source projects that I run continuous integration on, as well as private projects where I use CI, and I couldn't be happier with the service. So thanks to CodeShip for sponsoring the podcast this week, and back to the show. So I guess um, it sounds like uh, imp- we sort of implied this, I think, but like it sounds like your store is almost working sort of like a cache in some ways, like just like a, a local cache of information that you would have otherwise yeah. requested from the server, or at least that's like one type of state that you might be storing there. So from like a regular component to fetch information about like an individual product, I'd be curious to know like what that flow maybe looks like, say uh, compared to what someone might do with a non Vuex app, or maybe you have um you know a component that uses a library like axios or something to go and directly fetch that information uh, from the api how does that look differently when you want to get that information from Vuex? is Vuex responsible for making the api request is it sort of trying to hide those implementation details from you uh just be curious Uh, to know how that kind of looks and works
1: uh yeah definitely uh it does you use it as an instruction there definitely uh if we look at the flow of uh, how a normal component may work, for example, if you wasn't to use Vuex, uh, you would say have a product component, yeah. uh, which could either take the props of the details of it, uh, or it could or be maybe it just an ID own.
0: or something, right?
1: Yeah, and then you would fetch its own data and display its own data. The problem with that is that each time you use that and you'd navigate between a page and you come back, you might need to go, it's not going to keep that state anymore, so yeah, you're going to need so to refetch we'll fetch that it every single time. And that means that if you don't architect it correctly, you could be sending hundreds of API calls just to fetch individual products, uh, which you need to look at yourself or you, as a developer whether that was the right implementation in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, if you was to go to Vuex, for example, uh, you'd have some actions. So your action would be get product by ID or get products by IDs yeah so actually uh,
0: before we get any further I think I think it's worth kind of talking about that in a little bit more detail because so what's the difference between like an action and a getter I guess in that sense if if you're using an action to to get information
1: uh so your actions are there as I use them for abstraction definitely okay uh so there would be the entry point that you your UI would talk to the store so you'd Call an action, and it should do something, uh, such as do an API call. And in our case, if we wanted to go get some products, it would be an abstraction to say, "Call this API service for me," and here's my data. And at that point, you'd then call a mutation, which will mutate the store. Uh, so your actions are asynchronous; they're not trackable uh, currently, but we are looking into ways that we can make it trackable to use in dev tools. Uh, and that means that your action kind of abstracts all the logic away from your, your UI and keeps that flow individually. Uh, so when you hit that action, it's going to do the API request. Uh, you When it returns with that, you mutate the store, which would be adding the product to the store or removing the product from the store, for example.
0: So uh, actions are asynchronous, right? And actions are defined in the store. Yes. Um, so from inside this product component, say we had like an action that we wanted to invoke, like fetch product or something. Is that kind of like the sort of way that you would name things and stuff like that? So does this action that you, so I guess what does it look like to actually invoke an action from inside a component? Like what is the, what sort of code are you actually typing there to do that? Uh, so within your
1: component, uh, there's two ways you can do it. Uh, you can do something like store.dispatch and then the name of that action. Uh, Similar to how you would do it with Redux, uh, you normally have like a little layer where you call dispatches or however Redux uh, naming convention works, Mm -hmm. and it would just be that dispatch, uh, and then behind the scenes it's going to do its logic. So you'd have a method that when you click on that button, it's now going to call an action, which would be store.dispatch, the name of the action. and then there's another way which uh, you can use Map Actions. So There's some map types within a few X, which is when you start building a bigger uh, API, this helps you to uh, just bring in those methods and actions and treat them as they're actually normal methods on your UI component. So uh, the best place to go and look at how to do that is the docs, and it gives you both examples of, I want to just norm- use a normal dispatch, and then the benefits of using Map Actions, for example. Uh and the map actions, it would be you'd map the actions to your methods object within your few view component. Yeah. Uh and then you'd just do this dot get product by ID so it feels like you're just you're using the store or module to put all its logic there, but then you're directly adding an interface layer onto yeah. your component so you can it makes it feel more component-like rather than having to talk directly to the store.
0: So you're sort of using it to create these methods kind of on the fly in your component that really just delegate to actions, but inside of the component, it just kind of feels like you're calling methods on the component, even though they're implemented by dispatching that same action to the store, essentially.
1: Yes. Uh, And also actions can be used to compose. Uh, So generally you're going to might call three API requests. And the good thing about actions is that you can wait for that action to resolve and then call a further action with that data and then another action. Uh, So such as get uh, products in basket or product IDs in basket. And then once that's resolved, then you can go fetch the product itself. So you can do those two requests in that nice UI without having to mix your concerns.
0: Yeah. So I guess that's something I'm kind of curious about. If we have an action that's telling Vuex, hey, um, like basically go and make sure that you have the information for this product based on this ID because I need to render it in some way. Um, what is sort of like the idiomatic way for getting access to that data after Vuex has fetched it? Like I, I, I'm not sure that like I think what a lot of people would expect, right? In like a non-Vuex situation is you're using like um like if we're comparing it to something that's making a direct HTTP call for you. You're going to make yeah. that call, that call is going to return a promise and that promise is going to resolve with the data. Is that same sort of model like applicable in Vuex? Like does an action return something? In, once the promise is resolved or do you have to basically in that um, then callback just ask for data from the store that you expect is now there because the action is done you know what I mean
1: uh, yeah so there's some you can return a promise from your action and that's where you can resolve uh, but generally what you would do is you'd call an action and it would do a mutation and then you can use that data in the store then to go do extra work uh, based on what was put into the store. Whereas normally in the traditional flow is you do an API request, you then assign it to all that data that comes back, you then put it onto the state uh, within your component, and then you'd use that state to then go do a call, again to go fetch more data that you might need from an API uh, to display that uh, component correctly. Uh, and that becomes quite a lot of logic you have to take care of. Uh, and when you're doing that in the component, say you have Two pages that are similar, but they're not quite the same. You're be using logic. You then how do you abstract that away? You're gonna have to repeat that logic, and it means if you could need to go and update because your API has changed, you have to remember to do it in two places. Whereas if you've put when you put it into the store, uh, your your actions will take care of committing that state before resolving, uh, and then you might even create an abstraction action that will go do multiple dispatches for you, and then do those commits so everything's abstracted away and all you care about then in your component is just calling it and the logic should behave the same no matter where you call it
0: Hmm. so i guess like maybe something else that's worth talking about here to make sure that we're kind of painting the picture clearly for people is that in this sort of like product component that we're talking about that that requests its own data uh, from the store this product component probably doesn't have a data property right
1: uh no, uh, so you you do maybe getters, or you can use map uh, state uh, as a helpers from Vuex to basically just get the state from the store, and that would actually act like your data object, and it just adds there. You might have some still some local data within your component, but that should be your interact uh, just kind of the UI, UI state stuff. Yeah.
0: yeah, not like the actual application state. Okay, so so typically yeah. then it sounds like. Um, if if I wanted to be able to like access the, the data from this product inside of itself, you would use like a computed property or something that's really just asking for it from the store.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. And those where you use getters. Uh, so getters in the store would say consolidate the the data. So if you have an array of products, for example, you might want to filter those products out by discount only discounted products okay. uh, you want to get from the store, and that's what you're generally doing in another computed property, but now your logic can be placed into the store. That means that you, you're you using one computed property uh, to get or that getter, which acts like a computed property, uh, but you can reuse that everywhere in your application. The same with actions, you've got that one part of logic to go bring back new data formations to reuse.
0: Got it. So getters, those are not defined in the component, right? Getters are actually things that you define on the store? Uh,
1: yeah, so they're essentially just computed properties. Uh, so as I described before, you'd have an array and you want to filter by only things. And that's what you'd use computed property for, is it's computing new state based on other state. Uh, and that's exactly what you do in a, with a getter in a store. You have your state and you basically derive new state based on uh the whole state of the store or module uh and then you just bring in that or when you go and use it in a component you just map those getters to a computed property and then you've got the usable logic everywhere
0: okay so i'm trying to think of like a way to maybe kind of tie all this together with this kind of stupid example we're talking about with this product or whatever um to try and talk about all the pieces and i'm going to explain it to you i think the way that i'm understanding it and you tell me what I got wrong. And we can talk about that in more detail, maybe. So the way that I'm sort of thinking about this is say we have like a component that's supposed to render a product. Maybe it renders like the image and some details about the product. Um, The only state that I can think of that it might have locally is basically just like keeping track of whether or not it's uh, it has its data loaded. Do you know what I mean? Like has access to its data so it can actually display it. So maybe you can display a spinner or something else in the meantime. So, I'm thinking that like when this component is instantiated, maybe in like the created hook or something, you're going to do something like store dot fetch product and then pass it the ID. And maybe this ID came in as a prop. And then you're going to have a computed property on the product itself that uses uh, maybe it uses a getter on the store to do something like, uh, you know, state dot uh, get product by ID and passes in the ID. So then when this action that you fire off in the created callback is dispatched and resolved, is that like where you would just say, okay, well now I know that, I, that the data is in the store so I can turn off my loading state sort of thing? Um, um, yeah. And would that resolve immediately if the data is already in the store or is that really just sort of logic that's up to the store to decide if it wants to fetch a fresh copy or, you know, like, would you have some logic in the actual action you define on the store that's basically checking, you know, if we already have data uh, in this key f- that matches the ID for this product, we'll just resolve right away instead of going and making the Ajax request sort of thing?
1: Uh, yeah, so that's uh, quite a common practice called uh, optimistic UI. Uh, so what you do in that example is that if you do know that you've got that state in the object you can resolve that, but maybe still do the API call anyway just in case there's been a price change on the product for example uh, since the user's last seen the page uh, and then behind the scenes it's going to update that data and then your UI just will update automatically uh, with the new product information without the user really knowing what happened uh, which they shouldn't really have big flashing advert saying everything's just changed on your page uh but yeah optimistically you would want to just use the state that's there so you can resolve it initially and then do that behind the scenes to get the fresh cache or data
0: so um i guess thinking about that same example if you wanted to check to see you know do i need to show a loading state for this component um how would you normally go about doing that like would you somehow check the store to see if the value is already there before initiating the action
1: Uh, yeah Uh, so generally if in your creator hook maybe if you're creating a single page application or using few ret- few routers hooks uh, you will just create a new lo- loading will be true by default uh, and then you ch- check when you're in that creator hook to Basically, change that value of that property if the state already exists, so it was immediately load up, with, and the user won't even see a loading spinner. Uh,
0: so, what does it look like to check that state? Would that just be something like, you know, if store getters products and then pass the ID like does not equal null sort of thing, or is there uh, like a yeah. better way to do that? Okay,
1: you can also create method style access uh, getters, uh, so your getter would basically take in a; it'll return a function, uh, which then you can pass in parameters, uh, to say ID, uh, and then that getter will basically pass back null or true if that uh, product's in there. Yeah. Uh, so you can even move that logic away into the store once again to reuse that in multiple places.
0: Cool. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think. Um... I think a Vuex can be, it sounds like a really intimidating sort of pattern and tool at first when you see all these different, uh, pieces of terminology and stuff like that and trying to understand like, you know, why do I, why should I use something this complex for something that seems so simple? But I think, um, what the things that we've talked about so far, I've, uh, I've made it feel a little bit, uh, easier to get into for me, at least anyways.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, one thing I can say is that using the DevTools, uh, you get so many more benefits from them as well. Uh, so, for example, the DevTools allows you to see the whole application state of what's in there, uh, all of your getters, all the mutations that were called, and then you can go back in time to see mm-hmm. like what actually happened. You can also export that state. So say, for example, you've got uh, a production environment, you might send that state off if you ever come across an error. Uh, And that means you can replicate your whole application, what it looked like user at that point of that error occurring. That's cool. Uh, So you get some really powerful uh, abilities to debug your application at the same time.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Uh, I realize something we actually haven't talked about really so far is mutations, which I guess are like synchronous changes to state. Yeah?
1: Uh, Yeah. So mutations and actions... uh, kind of similar how you build them up, but mutations are there at the moment just to, they're where you actually do the mutation of the store, so they are synchronous. Uh, the dev tools can track those changes so then you can see and go back in time of what happened. Uh, and it also helps you break down what I passed in as a payload to that mutation and see what the outcome was. Because you can do a little bit of logic in your mutations, but in general, I try and keep my mutations very simple, they literally just mutate the store they get in a payload and they update it. Uh, In the future, we are looking to get rid of mutations uh, Mm. because with native async and await uh, under the hood, we will be able to make actions trackable. Uh, So that means that you've got that one less layer of uh, complications. Yeah, that's interesting. boilerplate.
0: Something I was going to ask, actually, related to mutations and actions, is do you normally use a mix of mutations and actions in your components that are interacting with the store, or do you typically just use actions even for things that maybe don't actually need to be async just to sort of keep the component ignorant to that, you know, detail?
1: Uh yeah, I generally like, a lot of people do just use mutations and that's perfectly fine. Uh but I generally use my uh actions as the gateway to the abstraction there where I talk to the store. Yeah. Uh, to do stuff because it just means you've got that one consistent api flow Mm -hmm. it just helps you reason with your application yeah and and you don't have to know like
0: which actions are synchronous and which ones are asynchronous and if you decide to make some sort of optimization to something that forces to be asynchronous you don't have to update all the consumers that were expecting it to be synchronous and stuff like that right yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense just wanted to take a quick break to thank one of this week's sponsors, and that is Rollbar. So here's what Paul, the founder of CircleCI, had to say about one of their favorite features of Rollbar and how it helps them keep things running at CircleCI.
2: Before we used Rollbar, we used a different error tracking service, and we were shopping for a new one. And So we did the, the tour and looked at uh, Rollbar and all of its competitors, and it was it was really the feature set of Rollbar that was super impressive and that made us go there. In particular, the people tracking, I think, is, is really, uh, it's not just a great feature, but it also kind of speaks our language is we're very focused on making sure that customers are happy. and We want to make sure that we have like an individual understanding of what happens to each customer. So the fact that we're able to click on you know, th- this customer is experiencing a lot of bugs and to be able to follow the, the progression of bugs that they've been experiencing is very important. If we get an email from a customer and the customer says, you know, your your website keeps glitching on me and being able to, to go to Rollbar and to say, okay, you know, this individual, individual customer this is how they're experiencing the site because otherwise you have to give like an overall state of things and overall things are looking good because if they weren't we'd be dealing with it
0: so i've been using rollbar a lot lately on my sas app nitpick ci and loving it uh, if you want to check it out you can head over to rollbar.com slash radio and you can use their bootstrap plan for free for 90 days so check that out and uh, thanks again to rollbar for sponsoring full stack radio Cool. So, um, I think maybe something else that'd be interesting uh, to get into. Maybe the last topic we'll talk about is uh, the sorts of maybe like mistakes you see people make when they first get into using VueX, or, or common ways that they're you're using it incorrectly. If you've seen anything like that, is there anything that comes to mind? Uh, yeah, there are a few things. Uh, generally, sometimes when you start
1: using VueX, by the time you get into it, some um, it it gets a little it feels like there's a lot going on, but as you get more used to it, you generally find out these things quite quickly and how to deal with them. For example, mutations follow Vue's reactivity model uh, and caveats at the moment. So, Vue has problems seeing adding uh, new properties to objects or arrays at the moment because of how JavaScript uh, can track these uh, changes. Mm. Uh, So, you have to be in mind that if you're adding new uh, properties to an object, you need to use set, for example, to yep. ensure that a track, the change has been tracked, uh, which in the future, with Vue 3.0, that would be less of a problem when we go and move to proxies, for example, uh, which is in the long-term future, uh, but that's our aim, is that one day you don't have to deal with these issues uh, with looking at how mutations work. Uh, there's also when you're using mutations, uh, I find that a lot of times that Uh, If you've got a for loop, for example, you're going over this array of data to go and mutate the state, Uh, it's best to try and just batch it all up into one mutation call uh, instead of doing a loop and constantly mutating the store uh, state. Because if you keep on doing the state mutations and say you're looping over a a thousand times to go and mutate that state, that means you're going to do a thousand updates to the UI rather than just one single Mm. update, which can sometimes be faster or slower. You have to really look into that.
0: That's interesting. So does every change to the store sort of like force a re-render then? Or like does Vue not try and batch those in an intelligent uh, it does, way? Or? It, does,
1: it does batch them, but as obviously as your data size grows, then you need to think about uh, what the update is going to actually do to the UI. So sometimes it might be best to separate those commits out into separate ones. So you do one commit and it would then go and update that portion of the UI. And then... It, you do another commit and you would update that portion of the UI just to make things a bit more seamless. Yeah. Can you commit
0: uh, multiple mutations or commit multiple actions in one step? Or do you have to come up with like a different action that lets you batch all those changes into one thing?
1: Uh, I generally come up with, um, lots of small mutations that do specific things like add product to basket, mm-hmm. uh, remove product from basket. Uh, And that would just take care of that simple flow of doing it. And then that action might, uh, say, you go and fetch the basket. You might be adding items to the basket and removing. Uh, So you might have reset basket, for example. So you'd need to come up with a lot, maybe a few more mutations that would be used in different ways, uh, just because that's how you control the changes to the store. So you can do optimizations that way. Uh, And but then sometimes as well that if you're going to add 100,000 items to an array, that's going to be quite expensive for the UI to go and do all of that update. Mm -hmm. There's no way you should be putting 100,000 items into the store within one mutation. So sometimes it's best to batch those changes. Uh, And I've even seen cases where I've seen uh, an application with UX that uh, someone's done a call to an API and they've got about 100 megabytes of data back from the store that API call (laughs) and then directly saved it to a store without actually realizing that there is actually some setup time that comes with the activity. Uh, And that's why it's so slow to go and add all of that. So obviously, don't just do API calls and get stupid amount of data and just pump it into the store because you're not going to use all that data at once anyway. You should be paginating because your users not going to see 100,000 products at once.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Any other sorts of uh, kind of mistakes or anything that you can think of that you see people making? Uh,
1: There's some little things you can do to improve, such as you can create consts for your mutation names uh, or action names and getters, for example. So that way, if you're going to do a dispatch to the store, you're not going to accidentally mistype what the action name is. Uh, If you're using TypeScript, that becomes lesser. It doesn't happen as often because obviously the typing system in place. But if you're using pure JavaScript, then it's best to maybe create some conts, uh to keep those name conventions the same. Mm. Uh, so you're always called a correct action rather than making a spelling mistake.
0: Yeah. Cool. What about stuff related to um, you know, maybe people storing the wrong type of state in Vuex? Do you see people ever putting state in Vuex that you personally wouldn't be putting in there? Uh,
1: yeah, there are some places like uh, you can do optimizations like freezing objects, so Vue doesn't do any reactivity setup for it, uh, and then if it changes, then it doesn't update in Vuex. Uh, if you have static data, for example, like product details, uh, those generally static. That's going to be a title for the product, etc. So maybe you can put that into its own object of details for that product, and then just freeze that object, and that will improve your application's performance. Uh, but then I see sometimes that they've put in everything uh, from the API call that they don't necessarily need. Uh, so just put in to store state that you need at the time. Uh, and th- maybe if you're fetching a product ID uh, or array of products from an API, uh, you're going to want to filter out the products that are the same, so you don't have to do a new update to the whole object.
0: Yeah, interesting. What about stuff like, um, like do you do you see people commonly putting like interface state in Vuex to try and work around you know different situations? Like I know we kind of talked about uh, the modal example, for example, where someone maybe is storing like whether or not this modal is open in, in Vuex. Is that something that you see people um, doing commonly when they get started with Vuex, or not so much?
1: Uh, Generally that does happen quite a lot uh, and the best thing to do is just take things slowly, put things in and think about what you're putting into the store. So for example a modal one, you might have uh, five modals as you go through clicking that button, it opens up a new modal and then a new modal and the next modal. Uh, but that flow might be different for every user. They might click on cancel and that takes them back a modal for example and your store doesn't care about how that UI is working, uh, that should be down to that container component to go and work out how it should be displaying itself. Uh, so generally that kind of stuff, you should keep local uh, and such as loading spinners for example. If you're putting that stuff to the store that means you've put a dependency for those components in that container to use the store unnecessarily because uh, it can quite easily be local state and you don't care about loading spinners in the store for example if you go to a new page and come back. And you've got that state persisted, uh, and you've got a loading spinner. You're gonna have to probably debug why this is happening. And sometimes you get into the, these little problems where you've got stuff in the store that you've not you forgot to turn off uh, or move. That So uh, not putting putting everything in the store can actually give you bugs that you're not <laughs> expecting because you've not thought about the actual flow of how the UI works.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good to know. I think um, I think from some of the conversations I've had with people who have gotten into Vuex, it seems like it can be really tempting to want to put every possible bit of state in there all the time. And, uh, you know, my gut was that that wasn't right. So it's good to have a conversation with someone like you who has a lot more experience with it and, uh, learn a bit more about what some of the best practices are for that sort of thing.
1: Uh, yes, uh, I definitely say take it slowly. Uh, so for example, I've seen some people that haven't used Vuex in an application and they've gone and put a uh, Vuex in an application and they've just tried to do everything in one go and they've got this huge PR inbound to go and change everything and you're most <laughs> likely going to cause issues there. Uh, so your best is to go, okay, let's think of this user, the login page. Let's start the login page and work out how we should do that because if you get something wrong and you're not using Vuex as maybe you wanted to do in the long run, you can just revisit that and you're going to learn as you go on the correct way of doing uh, Vuex and managing your state. Uh, And for every application, it's always different. Uh, There's no correct way all the time, always, because it depends on how you want your application to interact with the user.
0: Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Well, I think that's actually basically all the questions uh, that I had. So uh, is there any other stuff that you think is kind of interesting to get into for someone uh, who's getting started with Vuex? Form
1: handlings one of them Uh, because when you go and get state from uh, the store, uh, you'll be tempted just to pass that uh, value onto or use a V model, for example, uh, where you've got that computer property or that data which which you've mapped to your data object, uh, and then you're going to be updating the store state. So if it, you always should turn on strict mode for Vuex, which is just an option when you set up Vuex, uh, and that will alert you that actually you're mutating the store and you're not following the flow of action's mutation. So you should always have a mutation that mutates, otherwise you're not going to be able to track that uh, change to the state. Uh, so when you go and look at it and try and debug it, you would be like, huh, oh, something's not happening. Uh, so when you go and do that, you generally just use the value attributes, if you've got an input, you just have value with the actual that, so you're not actually mutating it, and then on an input, you'd call an action to go and dispatch the store, so you actually follow this little cycle. And to start with, it feels like you're doing something wrong, but it was actually the correct way of doing it, and it kind of adds a little bit of complexity, where you'd normally not have to do if you had local state in your component, Uh, but in the long run, you're best to use Vuex and not have to worry about this so there's a little bit of boilerplate sometimes but yeah so that's get actually
0: it's an interesting example i think because it kind of feels weird to me that you would have form state in vuex cuz to me that feels just like ui state and not like application state so what sort of situations does it make sense to be putting like state from a form into vuex versus just local state in the, the form component itself uh, so,
1: say you have an input that uh, is used to control your uh, new balance that you want to go and add. Uh, that You might have another component in a separate part of your application uh, that then would also update. Uh, but how would you manage that normally if you have got two separate components using some state? You would then have to maybe put that state on a parent component? Uh, and then pass it down as props, and then you have to go and do a change, and you're having this tree of changes happening. Whereas if you're using Vuex, you're just dispatching to a store, and then both those components are getting that information just pulled down. Uh, so that that kind of example, where you're doing a change and it affects a separate part of your application, uh, that's where you would put Got use it. the form happening situation. So
0: really just situations where you need something else in sort of like a distant part of the UI to be updating on the fly as you're like typing into an import or i guess even like changing a toggle or something like that is the same sort of thing right uh yeah so d- would you say that in the sorts of stuff that you work on that more often than not form state is being held in vuex or do you think that's more like the exception
1: uh it, that depends on the application that like, like for us. Uh, yeah. we do have stuff like a sidebar is open. Uh, we generally put that kind of stuff to few X cause it just makes it easier to manage.
0: mm Okay. If you're, um, putting that sort of stuff into the store, I feel like, um, that's where I would start to not know exactly what the best way to organize stuff is because, like with something like products, I can understand how you would just have like a products module and there's stuff related to getting products or updating products, whatever. But when it comes to things that are just like, almost like miscellaneous state of the application that just happens to need to be shared, how do you go about like deciding where to nest these things under in like your main state object or how to keep that stuff organized?
1: Uh, Stuff like that can just be... You maybe can create a context module, maybe for your application, uh, uh, or you can just put it on the actual global state, and then everything that has its own concerns, such as products, then you have modules for those. Then uh, sometimes maybe just actually using an event bus and not using Vuex is actually a simpler way to manage it. Uh, but then it comes down to: does that sidebar need to stay open if I come back to the page? Yeah. Uh, and you have to then think of that way uh, placing it depends on the context. It might be that that sidebar has its own module yeah. uh, to manage what that stuff, like if it's a sidebar to manage uh, tags, uh, to add tags to uh, your items, whatever your application does, uh, then that tag store probably can contain whether its sidebar is open.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Cool. Well, um, yeah, I think that's basically basically all I got. Um, what do you th- What would you say is the best place for people to sort of look if they want to learn uh, more about Vuex or do you have any recommended resources or maybe conference presentations or anything like that that would be worth sharing uh, the
1: Vuex docs are actually quite a good place to start with uh, if you want to go further um, CSS Tricks I think have some great resources uh, there's some Presentations that have been done at meetups, for example, that I've seen on YouTube, and some of them are really interesting of how they've done a specific thing with UX, and that actually might relate to you. Cool. Uh, I know there's some workshops starting, I do workshops quite often. Uh, I know there's some other people that do workshops, I don't know their names, but <laughs> definitely going to a workshop uh, actually is a good way to start because you've got a whole day to go and learn all of the best practices rather than just trying to learn it all yourself, you get you can sit within a room with other people that are in a similar situation trying to learn.
0: Yeah, cool. So um, what's the best way for people to sort of keep up with what you're working on and the stuff that you're doing with Vue?
1: Uh, on Twitter mainly, uh, my handle is at Blake Newman uh, and just keep on looking at the issues. Uh, at the moment we're trying to work on how to get TypeScript uh, Type Safety up because uh, it's quite a complex way separating the concerns of how Vuex works with mm. TypeScript is a little tricky. Yeah. Uh, there's some great work done by uh, Katzian, uh to add some really good uh, type safety, uh, which is what I'm currently going to start focusing on to get that actually released uh, and see how well that's going to improve the landscape for TypeScript developers.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for, for coming on and chatting me about this stuff, man. It's been a, a pleasure uh, getting you to answer some of these questions that I had. Yep, that's perfect. Thank you. Uh, if anyone is interested in uh, show notes for this episode, they'll be at fullstackradio.com slash uh, 88. Thanks to Rollbar and Coachip for sponsoring the podcast this week. And if you uh, enjoy the show, please leave us a review over on iTunes or uh, shoot me an email and let me know. Thanks, everyone. See you next time.